Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player endeavoring to play advanced level pieces one day, with the main target, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. And while we are making progress with every episode, we are not quite there yet. So until we reach this goal, every week we break down one of the pieces along the road, ranging anywhere from the Baroque period all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and at the end of the day, we all walk away a little more informed and hopefully appreciative of classical music. And we can build on this foundation so we can all tackle more difficult works in the future. This is episode 13.4, the fourth and final episode in a series where we are celebrating the progress achieved during 2021. During this series, we are playing a little interactive audio game where we explore two etudes per episode, one that the Royal Conservatory of Music ranks level 8, and one that they rank level 9. I recorded the pieces about a year apart, so we're going to see if you can pick out the piece that is graded as more difficult and was played by the more experienced version of myself. So let's get started with our final etude pairing. Well, I've saved the best for last. These are my personal favorites from the bunch, so hopefully you'll appreciate them as well. Let's start with Etude in D Minor by Stephen Heller, also known as Warrior's Song. Now, Stephen Heller was a Romantic-era composer from the mid-1800s who was very well regarded during his lifetime, but has since been largely forgotten. He shared a similar mindset and career as his fellow Romantic-era composers like Bergmuller and Czerny, focusing on educational etudes for intermediate students who were learning to play the piano. Heller actually briefly studied under Czerny, but Czerny's fees ended up being too expensive. Pianos were becoming very popular during this time period. In fact, it was difficult to find a middle-class European home that didn't have one. Because of the instrument's soaring popularity, demand for educational materials skyrocketed. And that's where etude writers like Stephen Heller came in. Ronald Earl Booth said this of Heller in his dissertation. Heller's artistic values have been perpetuated in the 20th century by artist teachers such as Bergmuller and Busoni, who shared Heller's views with regard to the importance of the intellectual and spiritual aspects of study and performance, as opposed to the pedagogical value inherent in abstract, repetitive, and unmusical finger exercises, which dull musical sensitivity and listening interest. So essentially, instead of playing boring, repetitive scales, arpeggios, and technical exercises over and over again, Heller helped expand the school of thought that exercises should not only be musical and interesting, but also, at the same time, approachable. Unlike his respected predecessor Chopin, who wrote wildly difficult concert-level etudes. Heller was similar to Chopin in that he wrote almost exclusively for solo piano, amassing 158 works throughout his lifetime. The etude we're going to discuss in a little bit comes from Heller's Opus Number 45, which is a collection of 25 etudes for intermediate-level students. As I mentioned previously, 
The etude was a form in which Heller excelled, and he wrote over 200 of them during his career. Which sounds like a lot until you compare him to his former expensive teacher, Carl Czerny, who wrote over 8,000 etudes during his life. He supposedly taught for 10 to 12 hours a day, and then composed at night. I'm not sure when or if he slept. It's not well documented. I guess we're left to conclude that the man was an etude-writing vampire. But I wanted to end our brief discussion on Heller's career and how he contributed to the art of etude writing with a quote from a composer we heard from a few weeks ago with an etude of his own. This is modern-era composer Alec Rowley on Heller. Heller's muse is ageless. Your mood will be met at all times, and constant repetition will enhance rather than diminish his music's appeal. Freedom from sentimentality impeccable workmanship, refinement, and simplicity of outlook go to the making of a miniaturist whose sole object was to perpetuate beauty. And with that, let's get back to our first etude of the day. As its attributed title of Warrior's Song may suggest, this is an intense, loud work that is chock full of heavy chords with both hands. And that's actually what this etude is trying to project. Learning to get your fingers to change positions rapidly and play full, powerful chords. Let's listen to the opening bars of this etude. The first D minor chord immediately strikes a sense of darkness to the piece, and the following chords are hammered out with markings of forte, or loud. This etude is almost as much an exercise in the forearms as it is in the fingers. It requires some energy and movement from the arms to consistently hammer out these chords with appropriate volume. While listening to this etude, I can't help but wonder if Rachmaninoff was a fan. Because one of Rachmaninoff's most well-known piano works, his prelude in C-sharp minor, has a similar vibe and sound, which was written to mimic the bells of Moscow. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's some minor tribute going on there. And by the way, I know we just brushed the surface of that Rachmaninoff prelude for now, but we're definitely going to do a full episode on that in the future. Actually, if you're striving to play Rachmaninoff's prelude in C-sharp minor, which is a substantial step up in difficulty, Heller's Warrior Song makes a great stepping stone to get there. 
The form of this etude is something we've encountered many times before with pieces on this podcast, as it follows the ternary form of ABA. Both the A and B components follow a similar rhythm and structure, but the B section swaps the A section's D minor feel and modulates to the relative major key of F major. So let's work on our ear and play these sections back to back so you can appreciate the switch from minor to major. Here are the opening bars one more time in the key of D minor. And let's compare that to the B section, where the F major key kicks in. From here, the etude returns to its original minor key in an exact repeat of section A, completing the ternary form of A, B, A. But instead of just closing the piece out here, Heller throws in a coda at the end to drive home the dramatic tone of the piece. It's capped off by a series of rising chords, which culminates with both hands in the upper register of the treble clef. So let's listen to the first etude of the day. This is Etude in D minor, number 15, from Stephen Heller's Opus 45, also known as Warrior's Song.
And with that, we have reached our final etude in the series. And it's the shortest etude yet. It's less than a minute, but because of its rapid speed, it still crams in plenty of notes in that time span. It's an etude titled Raging Torrent, from a late romantic Russian composer named Samuel McCaper. Similar to Stephen Heller and Bergmuller and Czerny, a lot of the composers we just talked about, McCaper was also a composer-teacher who composed a lot of etudes for his students. He ended up teaching at the St. Petersburg Conservatory, and he himself studied at the Boys' Gymnasium alongside another famous Russian artist, acclaimed short story writer Anton Chekhov. But enough with the name dropping. Let's get back to our final etude. The dictionary defines a torrent as a violent or forceful flow of fluid, especially water or rain, as in the expression torrential downpour. In order to achieve the sonic quality of flash flooding, McCapar employs a very fast tempo with relentless 16th notes. Within this tempest of notes, the melody can actually be found if you isolate the left hand. And the right hand basically just adds in filler, completing the set of 16th notes. To illustrate this point, I'm going to significantly slow down the beginning so you could hear the difference between the melody in the left hand versus the filler in the right hand. It's actually musically pretty basic. The compounding factor and what makes this etude difficult is the speed factor. This is a challenge to get your fingers moving and get them moving accurately. So let me replay that part that we just heard, but bring it up to speed. And for 45 seconds, that's what this etude is, a non-stop pelting of torrential raindrops. So let's listen to the final etude of this series. This is Raging Torrent, number 18, from Opus 33, by Samuel McCaper. Alright, it is time for our last matchup. Is it choice A, the warrior's song, a dark anthem of strong chords? Or choice B, raging torrent, a relentless onslaught of raindrops? Well, I think I'd actually pick Heller's warrior's song 
is my favorite etude from this series, but we're not talking about my favorite. In the etude marked Level 9 by the Royal Conservatory of Music, and one that I just recorded about two hours ago, is Raging Torrent by Samuel McCaper. So hopefully this series was something a little different and helped us realize how far we've all come in a short year. For the few weeks of 2021 that remain, I thought we'd do something a little lighter and more fun and explore some selections from Vince Guaraldi's score for Charlie Brown's Christmas. So check in next week as we all get into the holiday spirit. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating and reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thank you as always for your time and your ears, and I will talk to you next time.